Hello, I'm Susan Dunlop and welcome to episode 17 of Coffee and Contemplation with Women. Today we have a tricenarian, um, a woman who is 30 from Noosa here in Queensland. Maddie is speaking with me today and uh, we've been trying to line this up for a few weeks so therefore the game <laughs> in, in the um, podcast series but you know me, I'm going with the flow. So uh, welcome Maddie. Thank you, Susan. Yeah, thank you for joining me. Um, so Maddie gave me a little bit of a background. So she is the middle child of five. Uh, she grew up here. She grew up in country Victoria and Noosa and has been to a boarding school in Brisbane as part of her education. She's lived in Western Australia and out in country Roma here in Queensland Maddie has um, achieved her Bachelor in Early Childhood Education and is currently um, in the process of studying her degree in psychology, whilst at the same time she has our two daughters, a three-year-old and two-year-old. So I think today we may well um, move towards a little bit of that part of the, um, the theme so far would be around balance and understanding, you know, how do you get that mix of parenthood and joy of that <laughs> and the reality that you know is it really you know the thing that totally lights you up or what is it that drove you to be um uh, wanting to pick up a, an extra degree and where's that going to go how do you how do you think about that that sounds great cool sounds really good cool okay so your degree so you're at the moment you're doing psychology is that just started I'm in my second year and going into my second semester. So I graduate end of next year. Okay. From and my bachelor. From your bachelor. And what comes after that? Does something else have to? Um, I'm hoping to get into my honours, but you need a GPA of six or above and quite a high recommendation from your lecturers. And because okay. I'm studying online, it's quite difficult, but fingers crossed. Yeah. And how, how is it to study um, online? Is that something that you like to do? Um, yes and no. I like the flexibility so that I can make it work around my kids, but I really miss and crave the connection of being face to face. Yeah. Um, often I find it's really hard to get your ideas or like even, even your persona across learning via distance. You're just a name on an email. Um, but yeah, I mean, it works for me at the moment. I wouldn't have liked doing it. I didn't like doing it with my education degree at all, but no, okay. it's working. Where did you do your education degree? Uh, CQU at, in Noosa on oh, okay. campus. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's closed down now. Yeah, really sad, actually. Yeah. Closes down end of this year. They say it was because of corona, but you never really know about those things. I think they're... Um, enrolments had dropped drastically but very sad for nurses and teachers on the coast because you know it was an alternative to um sunshine coast but unfortunately that's just what's happened yeah and i can imagine too being that that it was closer to home and you know, trying to do it around a, a two and a three year old would have been a bit more <laughs> yeah it was nice to have a library that yeah. wasn't the noosa council library but that's all right <laughs> it's never quite quiet at the noosa council library i know <laughs> No, and my studies turned into a washing room, so I might have to sort that out once the uni closes down because I can't run away from it forever. No, okay. <laughs> um, so how do you get the balance? How do you actually, I, I know what it's like, you know, to have a two and three-year-old, 
you know, it's like that they're quite a time demands on you. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's extremely difficult. It takes a lot of self-control, something that I have not quite mastered, even though I'm 30. Um, I think the massive shift for me is that I realise when you're going to procrastinate, you need to choose something that's healthy for you. So um, going for a run or going to the beach or going for a walk, even just popping to the shops as opposed to something else that would be lengthy and, you know, take you away for longer periods of time, like going to the pub. Okay. <laughs> so in my time that I have, which is limited when the kids are at daycare, I really knuckle down and um, I don't really have a choice. I just have to get it done. Yes. Okay. So that's just part of it. The balance is very difficult. It's more the, a lot of mothers talk about guilt, that mum guilt, but I've come to realise it's not, it's not guilt about being a mother. It's guilt about time. Everyone, you, everyone just feels so guilty about time all the time. Yeah. You know, like, am I spending enough time doing this? Am I investing enough time in this? I wish I had some more time to do this. So time management sort of helps alleviate some of that guilt. Yeah. And, and we, we talked earlier just in that sort of, you know, off air sort of chat that you're saying, uh, which I think a lot of people know, there's that, um, you know, we all fall into our mum role and, you know, we, we're sort of, we're not educated into becoming mums. Um, we mm-hmm. become mums. Um, so how do you feel in terms of is that ha- how you've decided to actually put yourself under this pressure now to actually add the study earlier rather than wait till they've grown up or how did it work for you? Yeah, I, I suppose when Elsie, my oldest, was born, I had quite a bit of, I guess, an identity crisis that, I had never heard other mothers talk about Mm. and I was almost mourning the person I was before because they're gone forever. You know, I know a lot of people say, oh, you can get them back, but you can't because your mind isn't wired that way anymore, which I think is great. That's obviously um, an evolutionary adaptation to survival. (laughs) Um, But I just found, especially after Billy was born, Billy was extremely ill in the beginning and when she became healthy, I found myself really struggling with my identity again. And also like what I said before with feeling guilty about time, I wanted, I knew I would have that same guilt and that same pressure, but I wanted it to be contributing towards something positive for me. So that's why I went back to study because I, I can attribute that anxious feeling about my time spent I can attribute it to study as opposed to something to do with mothering, which I think was really a very conscious choice for me. Also, I'm at home. So, like, I, I'm not going to be at home doing nothing. It's just I just felt myself, I felt myself going down a path that was very familiar, yet I've been there so many times that I see the precursors. And if I know if I put things into place early, then I can go back the other way. Whereas if you ignore it and continue, that's when you become pretty stuck and it is very hard to get out of that place. Yeah, yeah. As I said, I mean, yeah, I have seen quite a few people try to get that balance and a lot of people will sign up for a course and not even make it through the first semester. You know, so 
what do you have? Do you, do you see that? Do you see other people peel away from the courses that you're doing? Yeah, I do. I probably see it um, in my course. A lot of people have left um, and gone to social work. I think that's because social work is a lot more of a practical application where um, it's like a human services sort of thing, whereas psychology is quite ambiguous in the career path that you're going to take. Mm -hmm. So that, that happens a lot, but um, I guess online you don't see the peel away because you're not sitting in a classroom and wondering, Oh, where's Susan that was here every week for the first, you know, six weeks she's gone. But yeah, I don't know. I honestly, I think a lot of people will get to the end of the bachelor and not follow the extended path. Yeah. Which is a bit sad because a lot of people are more than capable. It just takes a bit of a, I was going to say leap of faith, but that's really corny, but it just takes a bit of self-confidence to yeah. try. Um, I would love to do child psychology. Okay. And um, ideally that would be my, that's always been my dream to have my own practice in Noosa. Um, but my second option, because the first option is extremely long expensive and arduous and very hard to accomplish um, my second option would be to do something within the school framework in early childhood around um, social and emotional intelligence okay. and um, you know how to be successful at school regardless of how you're feeling or how to interpret the way you're feeling and react appropriately to situations etc so I know like school, like I work in schools and I know they're trying really hard and this is a new avenue that they're exploring. But I just, I would love to see it more explicitly taught, especially to the kids who need it the most, mm. you know, because like the children who can't emotionally regulate are the ones who will probably um, switch off during the lessons. So like it's, I would love to do something that would be really targeted towards, I suppose, kids in need. Yes. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that, that's come across in um, the theme from we had a, a young lass, Lucy, who was 18, and she was talking. She's actually decided to go into education as well. Um, she's waiting. She was waiting for um, to be released from, where is she in oh. Dolby to get down to ACT to get to uni um, to start. But yeah, she was talking about that whole, um, yeah, the need for um, opening up the avenues of conversation in an appropriate way with um, the younger children at school. So mm. you were talking um, earlier too that you, um, you mentioned that you were sent to boarding school. Uh, what was that all about? Um, I had quite a tough primary school time, time in primary school and a pretty difficult time in high school as well. Um, as an adult now and more so probably as a mother and I've, I have a lot more understanding about myself. I'm very, I'm very emotional and I'm very reactive and my face is, it's very obvious on my face. My emotions are pretty much painted on my face and I've tried really hard, but I've come to accept that that's just the way I am and I understand the way children work and that reaction, if it's given, people will constantly seek it. So I had 
a lot of troubles with bullying in primary school, moved to high school. And I suppose with puberty and adolescence, I became quite volatile. Um, and then I can't really recall the exact details, but I think the school might have had a meeting with mum and dad or mum and dad might have said, this is a better idea for you to go and do this. So I went to boarding school in grade 11 and it was, it was pretty amazing. It was an all girls school. So that whole um, male aspect was removed. I was never bullied by boys at school. I always felt probably more comfortable running around on the footy field because no one really cares what you're doing out there. But I thought I was worried about going into an all girl environment, but I found that the girls were probably a lot more authentically themselves in certain aspects that they wouldn't be in the co-ed school. And it was good. I played um, netball. They have really high level of a high level of sport there. Um, But I had a lot of problems with the, I suppose the archaic nature of the school. There were still nuns on the property. If you were naughty in the boarding house, like say at 8 PM, when I felt like teachers should have nothing to do with your life, they would send you to the nunnery You have to sit with the nuns, you know. Um, So, like, I struggled with that. I, I, and it's very, very authoritarian. Like, the teachers were old, and um, I don't mean old, like, as in an ageist way. I just mean old school in the way they approach things. And I struggled. I really did. But it was a great experience. I made really good friends all over Australia. Um. A lot of country girls, you know, quality country girls. And yeah, it's interesting that the nuns were still involved. I, I thought that they were, that era went out with my era of schooling. Yeah, no, it's still there. It's still wow. there. Quite a daunting um, thing to walking into the nunnery when they they still lived there. So, you know, you're walking in as this naughty 16-year-old girl. And they just look at you like, yeah, it's... Yeah, there's nothing quite that puts your fear in you like the naughty look a nun gives you. I know, I know. And so we used to have to go for piano lessons in the nunnery. And I remember that walking in that front door was like you actually nearly mm. held your breath because you had to go into some silent space that don't mm. even drop anything because you're going to get into trouble when mm. you drop something. <laughs> but it was yeah, just was such like a silent people. a silent feeling to their house. It was. It's really, um, it's quite... Uh, a phenomenal experience I think for someone of that age like 16 to go into a room where you're you believe what's happening in your life is so you know all encompassing and so important and then you're forced to go into this environment where these women have I don't want to say given up their lives but they say that I think given their lives to God and um you see like this like complete devotion that they have, like those things that matter to you, like, you know, such and such kiss, such and such at a party on Friday night have no, like, they just mean nothing. And they're so peaceful with it, I suppose. So like, that was really, like, I do remember it really clearly walking into their silent area and just being like, Oh, it's palpable. Yeah. The energy is palpable. Yeah. A totally different. Yeah totally different energy to a, a young growing woman who's um mm-hmm. <laughs> minds any woman with, with yeah with um opportunities. <laughs> it's right, that's right um so with the, the stint with the boarding school um 
did you find that that actually did what the, your parents were hoping was going to do? Did it calm you? Did it settle you? Did it lead you um, towards this study of early childhood or what? No, definitely not. I d- definitely don't think, I don't think that their approach would even be legal now, like oh, the way yeah. they approach the situation. But I think a lot about, what happened to me in primary school and high school and that kind of um, treatment of people who are saying they're being bullied doesn't happen anymore. It's illegal. There's been a million different, um, what are they called? Court cases or whatever against schools for damages. So I think the boarding school, their approach was to, um, focus in on my angry reactions to things as opposed to sort of trying to break down what was actually happening. And that was just that I just, I, I was depressed. I think, I don't think I shouldn't say that I'm confident and assured enough now to say, yeah, I was definitely depressed. I had quite a strong affiliation with depression throughout my adolescence, which is hard. Mm. Um, But it manifests in different ways as you get older and as, you know, different things happen in in your life. And, um, yeah, I think it it was better probably than what I would have had in Noosa Mm. because it was new and it was different and, you know, you can sort of rebuild yourself to be someone from the ground up, you know, when you're 16. So, like, that's an opportunity but yeah, I like if I was to go back in time, I would do it again and okay. probably just say get effed when they try to put me in anger management. <laughs> anger management with depression. a 90 year old nun. <laughs> yeah, oh, which no. just made me angrier. But anyway, yeah. that's wow. right. So, are you in your mm. psychology degree, are you deciphering that still? Uh, is that stuff? That yeah, you I think a lot of. A lot of people who like who study anything, it makes you unpack a lot about your life. Mm-hmm. When I was doing education, it was probably more prevalent, like um, applying situations that I was learning about to my education and thinking, well, shit, that's pretty wrong. Like what they did is, you know, wrong. But with the psychology, it's, it's so subjective like your interpretation it's almost like your star sign you can read into it what you want to read into it and that's the purpose of it that's how they get you but when you're reading the coursework with psychology it's hard to apply it's hard not to apply so many aspects to so many parts of your life and it's hard to apply it you know it's both ways so I think it's helped me understand that my the way I the way I decipher certain situations in my life is not necessarily healthy okay so yeah it's interesting I like everyone has a lot to do to grow and anyone who thinks they're done is wrong I know (laughs) I just think healthy people you know, healthy people seek out therapy in whatever way it works for them. Mm. It's important. Yeah. I know when I, um, when I was doing the course that I did, the life coaching course, I remember that that's what they said to us was like this whole first year, you actually are going to be 
your own client pretty much because you're sitting there and you're taking like you're listening to all these people being coached as part of the prax and stuff thinking oh my god that's me that's me that's me (laughs) yep and and that's the thing like the first year it's such a broad spectrum you know you haven't really nutted down into the um different parts so when they say you know this is a if you could apply it to so many people but when they nut it down and break it down you're like oh actually maybe not but yes. basic principles yeah. of things, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah. that's that person. <laughs> do they give you support in the course for you to actually um, to do that sort of unpacking about yourself? Because obviously yeah, you use yeah, that Yeah, they're really good. Yeah. It's, um, that's what, it, like, as I was saying earlier, it's interesting, like, the shift in society. Everyone, I guess everyone is very, very aware of being politically correct, which is great. But I think when it comes to things like mental health and awareness, we've come so far that people are constantly putting procedures into place just in case someone might be affected by something, you know, and yeah. I think that's great. It has been a good shift. I agree. I agree. Um, so outside of school and, um, and being a mum or even in relation to being a mum, you're actually a single mum, um, mm-hmm. you've told me. Yeah. And so have you been through any sort of challenges that you could recommend to anyone else um, your way of looking at it differently maybe than what they might be just what they might need to have someone else's perspective right now? Uh, Yeah, there's a couple of things probably that I wish someone had told me in the beginning. Um, I left my girl's father in probably about March of last year and I had this ideal view of how I was going to make it work very idealistic but I thought that was the way to go so every single week he works away so when he was home we would have one family day where all four of us would spend time together and I thought that was really positive for my children to see that we could still you know be a family and not actually be together um and I did that for a long time and I also allowed like sleepovers at my house with the girls because I thought that they were more comfortable in their own environment than going to wherever he was staying at the time. Um, And it was like six months in before I realised the emotional detriment it was having on me and as a ripple effect, the effect it was having on my children. And so I I realised I was doing all of that to alleviate the guilt I had leaving and to alleviate well I guess I was mourning the loss of like what my parents have been married for god knows how many years my grandparents 60 years like I've got a lot of strong families to model on so I was trying to keep that aspect because I didn't want to lose it yeah um but it's no one's responsibility to facilitate someone else's relationship it's no one it's too much to take on. So I wish someone had said to me back then when I thought I should be getting high fives and slaps on the back for doing such a good job, I wish someone had just said, you know, you don't have to. That's not your responsibility. If, you know, if a relationship isn't forming in the way you want it to, like the girls with their father, they have a great relationship. But if it's not forming the way I want it to, that's not my responsibility to facilitate it. So yeah, I wish someone had told me that. Wow. (laughs) I think 
I think in relationships, people seem to think that becoming less of yourself makes things a bit more harmonious, you know, like pulling yourself back a little bit. I guess I'm probably not going to explain that very well, but like I used to in public, I'd tone myself down a little bit because I'd be afraid of like, you know, just a slight comment remind when you get home, like, Oh geez, you're a bit out there. And then it makes you second guess yourself and Mm. you lose a bit of confidence. So I've, come a long way in that regard. Like I, I, I'm almost unapologetically myself and I realise that certain people in your life, no matter how long they've been in it, just aren't really the right people. And just because it's been a period of time of friendship or whatever, it doesn't necessarily mean it needs to continue. So yeah. I've learned a lot about myself. I've grown a lot, accepted a lot about myself that I thought was a negative thing about my personality and I realised, well, it's not. You just need to have the right people around to realise it's not negative because, you know, good people don't put it down when I have a bit of a cry because I feel sad about something and I do it in public, which is embarrassing, but, you know, good friends just go, are you okay? And check in on you a couple of days later. Yeah. Crappy ones go, geez, that was funny or embarrassing. You know, it's... Yeah, it's hard, it's quite, but I, quite a beautiful realization. I was, I was thinking, you know, looking at you from, um, you're, you're sort of close to the age of my daughters as well. So, you know, <laughs> to to understand that that you're actually, yeah, you, you, that the point of a relationship isn't to sort of you know, have parts of you disappear because obviously you came together as the two unique beings that you were, mm-hmm. and the point is to actually take that and grow stronger, like not to actually diminish one. Um, for the benefit of the other. Yeah, you see it. I see it with friends. Um, And, you know, marriages and relationships around me, like I see that there's opportunity to build people up and there's not, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. But anyone who wants to just give you a little bit, you know, basically like crumbs, and you don't deserve that. Like we all deserve to be able to feel ourselves and be ourselves. And if we stuff up, the person who should make us uplift us should be the person who is in our lives and we love the most. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very brave thing that you chose last year to, um, yeah, to take a stand for yourself. Mm, I can imagine. Yeah. That's okay. Um, so with all you've, experienced and with your education and being a mum of two littlies, what's your outlook on life now? What's the quality of your thoughts? Um, I don't know. I suppose I'm 30 now and I, I think this is the best I've ever felt. Like I still get bouts of anxiety and, um, you know, some dark, thoughts and feelings which I think is really normal and natural but I feel really grounded okay and I think I see quite a big change in my children as a result which is really nice because last year was really hard Billy's sickness was extremely difficult Elsie was only 18 or 19 months and I was just emotionally like flat 
mind, you know. So I, it's been a hard, my, my, my um, motherhood, is that the right word? It's been an extremely tough gig so far. It's only been three years. But I feel like it's kind of behind me now and I can just experience the normal part, tough parts of motherhood. Okay. Which is nice. Yeah. And it, like I know that sounds slightly negative, but like when you have the experiences I had, I look forward to just, you know, the normal I don't look forward to it because it drains my soul, but like, you know, like the normal two-year-old tantrums and the three-year-old fights and those sort of things. It's nice to just experience life in a normal way. I feel emotionally regulated. I think my kids are much more emotionally regulated when they're around me because I am, because they feed off it. Oh, they do indeed. Yeah. But as you said, like, you know, just, you know, lightly just touching on what you just touched on, you know, about your husband and whatnot. That's, that's not, that wasn't small stuff that you went through. So fair call that you're seeing the light at the end of that tunnel. Um, in that respect, was there anything that, was there any particular day or thought that switched you to make you realise that there is this new joy in motherhood and in your life that's yours? Um. Yeah, I suppose um, Billy had congenital heart disease when she was born and we nearly lost her a few times and it was extremely difficult and it went for about six months to a year, a lot of hospitalisations and open heart surgery and a lot of fear and trepidation, just constant, that, that constant fear. And I remember telling myself, you know, if you just knuckle down and don't experience your emotions for this period of time, that's the best thing you can do for her to support her. Because if you're a puddle of mud, then it's not going to help anyone because you've got to make these big decisions for the baby. And at her 12 month um, heart review, the, um, I said, like when I was walking in, I said to myself, I think she's okay. Now you need to prepare for what's coming because you can only put everything away for so long. So that's probably the big turning point, but a lot of people, I suppose, would talk about turning points in a positive way, and it and it is, but I had to experience an extremely dark, very emotional, I don't want to say this because I don't want people to think that having mental health problems is indulgent, but I was finally allowed to indulge myself to feel those big, big, scary feelings. Mm. But I, like I did a lot of therapy. I did hypnotherapy and I went and saw a psychologist. I tried to make good choices and I started to slowly get better and regain control over, you know, what happened, like to understand that, you know, that might have happened, but I suppose a bit of PTSD about it all. Like it was just, it was a tough time. But that's probably when it was, when the doctor was like, yep, her heart's great, looks good. I've just fell apart when other people probably would celebrate because they've been falling apart for months. But, and then I came out the other side and I, like, I feel, I feel really good. Yeah. So in terms of you having two, at least two daughters, um, I asked this question a few times to people. So, you know, what piece of advice would you give either of your daughters um, that you wish you'd been given by your mum? 
Um, let yourself feel what you need to feel when you need to feel it. And don't be ashamed of it. That, like that's probably my number one thing for my kids is I just want them to be emotionally intelligent enough to understand what they're feeling. Maybe not why, because like that's really difficult at such a young age and to be confident enough within themselves to talk about it with someone. It doesn't have to be me, their sister or, you know, their cousin or something. That's probably my most important thing for them. Oh, that's lovely. Absolutely lovely. <laughs> Hey, um, we're going to wind up. That was very easy again, once as usual, to, to go through half, half hour. Um, have you got a quote or a mantra that gets you through tough times or makes you stay uh, yeah, When you asked me about this <clears throat> recently, um, I remember being an adolescent and my constant mantra was this too shall pass. And it was because I was so emotionally volatile in situations, I thought it was the end of the world. And then I would think about six months in the future when I would feel better and like it really helped me. I'm past that now, which is really nice. And um, now my favourite one is probably um, by Florence Given and it is growth requires accountability. And I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, it's only three words, but a lot of people think growth is about reflection and it is 100%. But if you really want, like that big growth within yourself, you need to be accountable for your faults and, you know, your shortcomings or even, you know, your good things that you thought were negative. It's you just need to be accountable if you want to grow and I'm working on it. I'm trying. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's just that letting it come to the surface, isn't it? Where rather than keeping some of the stuff hidden and tucked away, letting some of it up. It's nice to think you're growing because you're, you know, doing something, but the ugly stuff is really where growth happens. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Gosh, there are three words. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, and what's your favourite song? Have you got any fond memories attached to it? Uh, yeah, it's probably um, changed over the years. It used to be Johnny Cash, um, Jackson, but I find now every time Piano Man comes on, I'm just very very happy like plastered smile across my face it just reminds me of my parents and my siblings and you know just growing up probably mum and dad's barbecues with all their friends around everyone gets excited and sings it just has really nice happy feelings yeah Yeah, it's a good song that is i think that would actually be multifaceted (laughs) (laughs) i think it would be that type of song that would um be yeah I, i remember it all the years of us growing up as well so goodness when did he even sing it i've no idea must have been the 70s anyway. <laughs> i've no idea <laughs> things like american pie every time it comes on i go oh god turn it off you know like know. repeat repetitive songs that constantly come up at weddings and 21st and all of those things that you hate but piano man's just never been one every time it comes on everyone's happy to hear it yeah yeah have you have you can you play an instrument at all have you ever tried to play? no i played saxophone in primary school I'd love to pick it up again, but um, yeah. no, can't sing or dance. For I just have to say that word. Tinkling it, tinkling on the the, the ivory is doing. Yeah, no, yeah, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'd love to. I've always wanted to be able to do something impressive like that. I find that yeah. so impressive. Yeah, I know. We did it when we were very young, but I don't have that gift anymore to um, just be able to pick up something from my memory. You know, I have to actually find music to do it, but. No, I think my neighbours would hate me if I tried to start playing saxophone again. 
<laughs> I actually live next door. He's like on the other side of the garden away from my office, a, a saxophonist, and he practices every afternoon at two o'clock. Um, I did not I know that it. was the word for it. Saxophonist. I, I feel like that sounded very professional, me making that up. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Thank you. You've taught me one. Did you make it up? I might have, so be careful. Don't, no, don't saxophonist. <laughs> it sounds really nice. That's a good one. Thank you. Mr. Mr. Saxophone, as he's known. But anyway. It's <laughs> oh quite nice having that in your garden, though. I don't mind having a, a saxophone. Well, that's only so because he's good at it. Oh, yes. Imagine yes, a yes. rookie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be bad. But, hey, um, Maddie, I really appreciate that we got together we didn't follow any of the formal sort of idea of questions because obviously you did have a story there to share and um, I think people will take some snippets away from that that you know for different sections of their life they're going for um, through right now that you know might just make them think a little bit differently or ask themselves questions so that's the point of all of this is you know, sharing stories so that other people might just contemplate um, how they might have answered that question or um, dealt with something differently to how they have already. So, yeah, I just want to say thank you um, on behalf of me and the listeners for joining mm-hmm. me today. Thank you, Susan. It was very pleasurable. No children <laughs> at daycare, so very easy. 